Blog Talk Radio. Hello, all my dear friends. This is your spokesman with the plan, Clarence Cloverleaf, welcoming you to Cloverleaf Radio on the JIA Network. You can listen to our shows on close to 20 different streaming platforms, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Radio Public, and YouTube, to name a few. I've helped compile a list of our best guests since 2008, and those interviews have been scattered about the cloud, as they say. Something I thought we only received rain from. <laughs> Go figure. So, go find yourself a good one, and you can listen 24-7, 365, to guests from all genres of entertainment. You'll never know who could show up. Check out www.jianetwork.com. And now, on to the main event with your host, the host with the most, Jimmy Falcon. And, well, quite frankly, anyone as his guest. Enjoy the show! Oh, oh, goodness. Oh, all righty. We are back for another exciting edition of Cloverleaf Radio. God, it's been quite some time, but what a better day to come back than today on the day of our 12-year anniversary. I am, as always, the host of the most Jimmy Falcon. Joining me today is my dear friend, veteran voiceover actor, singer, writer, producer, director. This guy's even done some stand-up comedy. It was classic. My old friend, Wally Wingert, what's up? Oh, happy anniversary, everybody! Happy anniversary, happy anniversary! <laughs> happy anniversary, baby! Got you on my mind. Yeah, well, you know that song that uh, is probably way too old for any of your listeners to remember because it was back in 1979. Anyway, how are you? Oh, things are going great here in Illinois. It's like mid 50s today. I mean, who wow, can complain nice. about that? We don't have any rain. Yeah, it's it's been absolutely beautiful here. It's been uh, almost uh, kissing uh, 80, uh, and, and it's been out for a lot of walks, and it's just been enjoying the weather, and it's getting to be spring again. Of course, uh, it never gets you know very cold here in Los Angeles, but uh, it has been chilly. But, wow, it's been really, really, really nice. A little bit windy. I don't like the wind so much, but uh, it's been fantastic here. So spring has sprung. That is awesome to hear. It's been quite some time since we spoke. So what's been uh, most recent with you? I saw you, you stepped on the stage of a comedy club not too long ago. That had to be pretty cool. But what, uh, what else is new? My first and last foray into stand-up comedy. I will probably never do that again because, once again, my sense of humor is just too outdated for your average uh, comedy club audience. I'm talking about uh, Gilligan's Island and uh, Andy Griffith's show and Starsky and Hutch, and they want to hear about Taylor Swift and uh, John Legend. I'm like, yeah, I don't really know much about that, so I guess I'm not going to be able, be relating to my audience too well. But it was pretty fun. The, the first Monday of every month at uh, Flappers Comedy Club here in Burbank, they have uh, We Talk Funny, which is a voice actor-only evening uh, where they have voice actors you know, try their hand to stand-up comedy, do stuff, and do funny voices and stuff. So I said, yeah, I'll give it a try. So my, my first and last uh, stand-up comedy, uh, where I wasn't actually doing a character, like I've been, done plenty of stuff where I've been Austin Powers or Andy Kaufman or Tony Clifton, but this is where it was just Wally. And uh, we uh, we lived or died based on what Wally uh, what Wally said. So it was uh, it was pretty successful, pretty fun. But I'm glad I only did ten minutes. I would hate to do a whole hour and a half show because um, I could tell that you know some of my references were just too uh, 
too far gone for a lot of the people who were there. But that's fine. It was it was pretty fun. But I, I can say I did it. I can say I headlined a comedy club. So moving on to the, to the next great thing. Yeah, I thought you did great, especially you know being a one time thing. It was pretty awesome. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. It was like I said, it was fun. I'm glad I did it. Uh, moving on to the next uh, big thing. <laughs> So what have you been up to? Well, I guess, uh, well, working a lot uh, this past week. Well, I guess the weekend I was sick, unfortunately. And Uh-oh, a little case a of the coronavirus? Oh. I hope not. Just a few things going on here that I wish weren't, but um, always better stuff to talk about. I guess a lot of people know that you were my inspiration to get involved with radio. I'm curious oh, you're very kind for saying that. Who your inspiration was? to start your own DJ career, which included a stint as Dennis Jimenez. Uh, Dennis Jimenez, yes. If you say it really fast, Jimenez. Dennis Jimenez, it sounds like you're saying Dennis the Menace, uh, which was kind of a weird radio name to have. It was given to me. I didn't. It wasn't my choice. Uh, we had a program director that loved plays on words, Harley Worth It, Marsha Dimes, Just In Time, uh, that kind of stuff, uh, Mitch Moore. Uh, so he gave me Dennis Jimenez, and... Well, people thought I was saying Dennis Jimenez, but we didn't really have any uh, Hispanic or Latin people in South Dakota to understand the Jimenez um, uh, legacy. So eh, it, they, people just called me Dennis the Menace, and nobody really ever got the joke, and we moved on. So, But, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty funny. I started when I was 16 in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and then moved to Sioux Falls, worked there, and then moved out to Los Angeles in 87 and worked on uh, 94.7 The Wave out here. So I've vir- I've virtually worked every format except talk. I've never done talk radio. It was all rock and roll radio, all music. It was country. It was uh, top 40. It was adult contemporary. It was rock. It was smooth jazz. Uh, a lot of lot of stuff. So uh, pretty exciting. But, you know, you move on to something else. And then I got into voice acting. And now I'm starting to branch out into some other projects and some on-camera uh, things and a few few other deals. So just trying to trying to stay, uh, stay busy and stay creatively uh, viable in this ever-changing marketplace. Absolutely. I'm sure it's not, you know, always easy doing what you do because there's a lot always changing with the animations and uh, even the technology going into, uh, you know, actually recording the voices. So it has to be something you're constantly on your toes with. Well, it does. And that's what's so funny about, um, now I don't want to get on the soapbox here, but it's it, that's what's so funny about, you know, TV actors uh, going into voiceover, that it, voiceover is really hard work. And if you're a TV actor, you just got to kind of say a few things and, you know, you're good, and then you can go to your trailer for a little bit and then rest and relax, and then you come back and get on set and say a few things and go back to your trailer and rest and relax. You know, it's pretty pretty cushy. Um, but, you know, voice acting's tough. You know, you got to stand up for four, for, you know, for four hours on your feet and, and be in character that full four hours. And it's like doing a one-man stage show sometimes. It's exhausting, but for four hours. So a lot of these, these wimpy TV actors, they get into voiceover thinking, oh, I'm going to show up in my pajamas, don't have to wear makeup. And then they're realizing what, what hard work it is. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, well, maybe you should be a, you know, stay in, be a TV actor and forget about, uh, leave the leave the voice acting to the professionals. But uh, the, um, the voice acting world is getting um, uh, polluted, may I say, with all kinds of celebrities and TV actors and all kinds of people who probably have no business being there. But anyway, that's the that's the way the business is uh, kind of going. So, oh well, that's why I'm starting to kind of look at branching out into other things because if they're going to play in my sandbox, I'm going to 
try and go play in their sandbox. So we'll see what happens. Uh, movie star Wally Wingert. Yeah, well, maybe not. Of those stars. I don't. Star I don't. Yeah. No, nah, I don't think so. If, uh, I I just want to be a second banana. I'd be a great second or third banana. I have a really good friend who's one of the busiest character actors in town, and he loves just going from job to job to job to job to job, just being second banana and third banana and guest star and that kind of stuff. Uh, he's had you know um, uh, roles on uh, recurring roles on and starring roles on TV shows and series and stuff. He just loves going from show to show to show and doing uh, you know keeping it. Uh, Keeping it vast and varied. Absolutely, I'm sure that's something that's very important. And of course, being that you've been a voiceover actor for nearly 30 years, I found it interesting to see that 1998 Super Adventure Team had you credited as Grant Wiley. Why, Grant Wiley? Well, a long. Uh, well, I'll give you the short version. Is uh, it was a non-union production. Uh, I hadn't been uh. in Screen Actors Guild for very long, and they were really cutting down on uh, union voice actors do, and union actors, or any any union actor, voice or or face, of doing non-union productions. And it was a non-union production on MTV, and MTV, you know, didn't really have the budget to go, you know, union Screen Actors Guild. But I loved the show so much, and I auditioned for it. I really, really, really wanted to do it. Created by Dana Gould and Rob Cohen, two very, very, very funny guys. Dana Gould, of course, stand-up comedy, and uh, Rob Cohen, a writer for former writer for The Simpsons, and they did uh, the they pitched the show uh, via you know Thunderbird style, the old uh, Jerry Anderson shows with the puppets on strings, the marionettes, super marionation, and uh, MTV took it and only did six episodes because Jerry Anderson threatened to sue them, MTV. And uh, as opposed to standing up and saying, nah, this is, this is nothing like your show, uh, MTV, according to what I heard, uh, just pulled the show and said, no, we're not going to deal with this. So it was too bad because it was a very funny show. Um, but being non-union, we had to use our non-union pseudonyms. So you have to come up with some sort of other name uh, in lieu of uh, using your real name because you didn't want to get in trouble with the union. So I said, well, I still want people to know it's me because I'm proud of this. So I came up with the name Grant W. Wiley, which is an anagram for Wally Wingert. <laughs> so if you rearrange oh, nice. the letters, yeah, if you rearrange the letters in, in uh, Grant W. Wiley, you get um, uh, Wally Wingert. So that's, the, that's the, the E, true Hollywood story about that. But then, so, uh, you know, um, Team America comes out. And they do eventually, you know, essentially the same thing. And again, they get threatened with a lawsuit from Jerry Anderson, and and they're like, "Yeah, sue us. We don't care. Bring it on." <laughs> and realizing that he was full of bluster, they uh, there was no lawsuit, and you know it was allowed to continue. But because MTV, you know, kind of turned chicken, they didn't fight for it, which is why you only have six episodes of Super Adventure Team now that's out there, but it was hilarious. Love that show. That's unfortunate when shows don't seem to be able to go longer, especially just six episodes. That <clears throat> doesn't leave me very much uh, in mind of what the series could have been. 
Well, they, the, the thing that's really a shame, it's one, it's one thing if you just have a bunch of actors together and you're on camera and you're doing six episodes and you're like, well, we got, we got canceled, they're not doing it anymore, and then you all go your merry way. But they created miniature sets, miniature spaceships, miniature, of course, all the puppets. Wow. They had two different kinds of puppets. They had the, uh, the full-body puppets that, would, that were on strings for long shots, and then they had the close-up puppets that were kind of rod puppets that they'd work from below. So they had spent a lot, a lot, a lot of money creating these puppets. And uh, I don't even know where all the sets and everything all ended up at the end of the day. But sure would like to have one of those Buck Murdoch puppets if anybody's listening. I'm sure they're out there somewhere. Next time I see Dana Gould, i got to ask him where all that stuff ended up. He and Rob might have it, actually. Wow be interesting to see where a lot of those props have gone over the years. Of course, a lot of them went to your house. <laughs> well, <laughs> a few of them anyway. Uh, I collect uh, vastly different stuff, but uh, the two things I would like to find, three things I would like to find, is a uh, Buck Murdoch puppet. Uh, I would love to find the Kelbo puppet that I used on Murphy Brown when I first got my SAG card, my Screen Actors Guild card. And I got it doing a, doing a puppet on uh, Murphy Brown. And I'd love to find a pair of Andy Kaufman's uh, white coveralls from Taxi. I would love to find that. But yeah, I, think the, I think Paramount had a big purging uh, many years ago, and I think that uh, all that stuff probably went you know, out the door, unfortunately. So um, probably never going to find any of, those, uh, any of those Paramount gems, like any, any taxi wardrobe or anything, which is probably not going to happen. And, you know, they see a, a pair of white coveralls, you know, full of grease or full of stains. So, really, what they're, you know, the Paramount costuming department is probably like, well, what are we going to ever do with these things? They're, they're dirty, they're full of grease and can't be, can't be cleaned. So, you know, what are we going to do with them? Well, I'll just throw them away. So, they probably threw away all of Andy's old original, you know, Latka Gravas coveralls, which is kind of sad. But, oh, well. One of, well, one of our listeners, uh, Jason Shook, wanted to know. He said, uh, as I'm sure you already know, your guest tonight played the badass Psycho Blue Power Ranger in Power Rangers in Space and Lost Galaxy. You had time <laughs> for a question. Some of us have been wanting to know how they, how does he feel knowing a character with little screen time has gained such a large cult following? Uh, now, who is who asked this question? Uh, Jason Shook. Oh, Jason. Hey, Jason. Hey, how's it going? Uh, well, when they first asked me to come to some Power Ranger conventions, I said, what, you kidding me? It was only on, you know, like six or seven episodes. Who, who cares about this? And they said, oh, no, we've got all the other voices of the other psychos. They're all coming. I said, really? That's so weird that they would, it would have a following based on, you know, like he said, low screen time. But then uh, they came out with the, the toys, and I said, oh, well, maybe there is something to this. If they're, And I'm looking at it right now in my cabinet. One's holding an axe, and the other has lightning fingers and is, is shooting green lightning um, because the, the fans are really nice. They send me all this stuff. So I was like, oh, well, that's, that's pretty cool. So, uh, but, you know, as a fan of the old Batman TV series, I was a huge fan of some of the villains that only had, you know, one episode, like Fall Space and some of the other ones. So I, I totally got it. I said, yeah, I can kind of understand that, that they make an impact, you know, when they're doing their – 
their short run on the show, and uh, and the fans embrace it for one reason or another. And the Psycho Rangers did look pretty cool. They're, they had really cool costumes. So I'm kind of I, – I totally understand why they would be embraced as such. Yeah, I picked up the Psycho Blue figure at GameStop not too long ago, and a couple of days after that I got a Modoc figure, and gosh, there was another one I got. Not, oh, a Riddler figure, so it's been like a Wally Month or something. Oh, wow. Uh, so you got what, Mo, Mo, let's see, Modoc, Riddler, and Blue Psycho? Yep. Oh, very cool. Nice. Gotta love toys. All, all at GameStop? <laughs> No, I got the um, Riddler at Walmart. Oh, wow. And I got uh, Modoc and uh, <clears throat> Wasp was like a two-pack at uh, Walgreens. Cool. Nice. And, of course, you worked on uh, the legendary Invader Zim as Almighty Tallest Red. What was it like returning to work on Enter the Scorpus? That was... Uh... Way too brief. Um, I wish it would have been a, a series so I could work with these amazing uh, people again for a long period of time. Uh, but it was, uh, I'll take what I can get, and it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a lot of lot of fun to see all the old gang, and the script was great, and the movie turned out great, and something really to, really to be proud of. So I was very happy about the whole thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool when they, uh, they're they actually able to get back um, the original cast with these uh, reboots or continuances of the series. Helps uh, add a lot to the uh, nostalgia of things. Uh, it does, yeah, it, because they had – everybody came back. Everybody's back. Of course, luckily, thank God, everybody's you know still alive and still around, which is not the case uh, when they rebooted the uh, Hey Arnold franchise. There was – uh, one uh, gentleman who was just too old to perform anymore, and one other gentleman who had passed away. So they had to find, uh, you know, voice doubles um, for those characters. But yeah, Invader Zim, great. Uh, everybody's still around and still working, and uh, I don't think anybody has actually left uh, the industry. Uh, Andy, who played Dib, became a producer, so he was on the road producing television shows. But they they talked him into coming back for for this, and he said, "Yeah, sure." So that was pretty cool. Um, so interesting, yeah. We're glad to have we're, everyone back. Very very awesome. And I guess my last question: uh, We briefly spoke about your huge collection of uh, numerous cool items, including movie memorabilia, life-size figures, autograph cells, and puppets. What are some of your favorite items in your collection? Well, obviously, the favorite is my Andy Kaufman performance uh, costume that he used on countless TV shows and live appearances, um, including the very first episode of Saturday Night Live in 1975. When he uh, wore this costume and performed Mighty Mouse, uh, that's that's a thing that I really, really, really like. Um, I'm really obsessed now with my one-to-one Muppet replicas of Kermit the Frog and Animal and, and Gonzo made from the patterns and the same fabrics, and they look you know exactly like the real ones. Uh, I'm I'm busy now making. I used to build puppets when I was about 19, and wanted to be a, a, a Muppet performer until I got a cease and desist letter from the Henson Association <laughs> telling me not to not to build Muppets anymore and, and not to do any more performing. 
uh, the only reason I built the puppets in the first place was so I could make a demo tape to send to them to hopefully get a job. But um, Jim Henson wasn't in the country, and the demo tape ended up on the desk of some uh, overenthusiastic attorney, and they just sent out a, uh, a cease and desist letter, which I have probably displayed on my puppet room wall. Uh, but I was a you know 19-year-old kid. I didn't know what cease and desist meant. I didn't know what, what laws I was breaking. I was doing it to... To, to make a demo so I could, you know, join the join the group. But uh, some uh, some overenthusiastic attorney uh, wanted to type out a cease and desist. So, you know, it crushed the dreams of a 19-year-old Midwestern boy who wanted to be a Muppet performer. But, you know, it wasn't meant to be. It all worked out, and uh, I went into doing what I was supposed to do. But I still love the Muppets, and uh, I've, I made a Rolf the Dog to join the uh, other Muppets that I have. I had a Manamana made, and he joined the other... Um, puppets and uh now i'm making an oscar the grouch which is almost completed it took me a long time to figure out how the eye blink mechanism worked and uh, now uh, my next project is building a beautiful day muppet which was uh in the early days of sesame street and then mysteriously just unceremoniously disappeared he was kind of the, the blue monster with kind of the fishy beak looking thing and the big flashing eyes um, but they called him Beautiful Day because he was used in a, in a bit early on where he's a monster trying to ruin a, a little girl's uh, beautiful day, and he just can't can't seem to do it. And so he's he got the moniker Beautiful Day, but I've always loved that puppet. But it involves some, some sculpting of foam rubber, which uh, I was always pretty good at when I was a kid. I'm going to see if I can still do it. Um, so I'm actually, you know, when we're off the uh, off the air here, I got to run down to my special effects guys' uh, a studio to bring him a, a mold for some eyeballs that I want to have him make for a beautiful day. So um, yeah, pretty exciting. It's you know, I love doing that. I love sitting around just cutting foam rubber and gluing it together and making a puppet and seeing it come to life and taking it to a convention and entertaining people. And if, and if the Muppets want to send me another cease and desist, bring it on. I'll, I'm going to fight it this time. <laughs> I'm going to fight it. So whatever. Anyway, what are you uh, what are you up to? I mean, what are you uh, doing these days? Collecting? Oh, I mean, you got the, the cool so the three cool uh, figures there. Yeah, I, I have too many toys. I have a whole shelf of uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin figures. Oh wow! Is he still alive? Or was he one of the guys yeah. who died? Nope, he's still he's still around. He does some acting. It has a podcast. Uh, everybody's got a podcast these days. Right. Well, thank yep. you so uh, much, uh, Wally. Uh, I'll leave you to your uh, eyeball work. <laughs> but thank <laughs> Thanks, you, Jimmy. Uh, uh, you know, the, the pr- again for, uh, for more pressing time. things. I got to get these eyeballs made. You know, it's part of part of my life now. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, enjoy, and thanks so much again for everything, for the friendship and hospitality and just being a good guy. Well, thank you very much, and come to L.A. and see me again. Yes, I need to. All right. Have fun and happy anniversary. Yes, thanks again. Have a great night. You too. All righty, guys. Well, if you just happened to join us a couple of minutes ago, you can go back in probably about 20, 30 minutes, maybe even less than that. Uh, it is 2020, for gosh sakes. You know, these things maybe go faster than I believe them to. 
uh, and check out the whole show. Always an honor talking to my dear friend Wally Winger, the inspiration for me to get into radio, uh, 15 years of wonderful friendship, and uh, it will be really nice when I can make it back out to L.A. and see Wally again. It's always a good time. We don't have any more shows scheduled, but of course you can stay tuned to my Facebook, facebook.com backslash the only host of the most, uh, our blog talk, jianetwork.com, uh, or many other places to see um, in the future who we have coming up. And of course, uh, SoCon and Dark History Con are already in the works for this year. Some guests already announced, so be sure and uh, Google those and get some information about that because those are some great conventions. Big thanks again to Wally Winger, and we will see you guys down the road. can't believe it's been 12 years doing Cloverleaf. It's insanity. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great night. I'm ready. Hi, this is Laura Hall. You probably know me best as the improvisational piano player on Whose Line Is It Anyway? And you're listening to Cloverleaf Radio. Good afternoon. This is Clarence Cloverleaf. It's been some time, about a year and a half, since I've come to you and given you a little bit of my soul and wisdom. This last year with COVID-19 has been hazardous on us all. Whether you've lost a job, lost family, or even were just sick for a while, this COVID has been arborious. But thankfully, things are starting to get back And I have stopped my travels worldwide for a bit. And I will be coming back at you with the occasional collection of recollections. I hope all of you have been well, as well as you could be during our global pandemic. But I want to thank you, everybody, for listening to us and continuing to support Cloverleaf Radio. Have a great day. This is Clarence Cloverleaf. Welcoming you to Cloverleaf Radio. Thank you so very much for joining us and for supporting us for 14 wonderful years. I cannot believe that I've been involved with Cloverleaf since 2011. It's been a glorious ride and I've got to meet some fantastic people along the way. And one of those people I met just this last year. That's right, in 2021, I had the honor of meeting Corin Nemec. Now, for all of you who may not know who Corin Nemec is, he is the man who played Parker Lewis on Parker Lewis Can't Lose. And, of course, he's a very talented actor who's been involved with a lot of wonderful shows and films, including Battlestar Galactica. Well, after the show, we were at the after-party at the hotel room. And even though I am 81 years old now, I still know how to boogie. Well, Corin happened to, uh... Keep buying me shots of Jägermeister, my personal favorite. And before you know it, I was out trying to do the Charleston. Now it's been probably 30 years since I've gotten on a dance floor. And in my advanced age, 
Doctors would probably tell me that Charleston was probably not uh, very good since I have a bad hip. But then again, doctors, well, they're just doctors. I will leave it at that. But during this fantastic shindig, I somehow fractured my hip. I was very, very sad. And not only sad, I was very hurt. I guess hurt probably before the sad part. Regardless, Corin came over and scooped me up like the Incredible Hulk. This man, he's got the strength of eight young boys. And I just couldn't quite understand it because his frame is, although a solid size, not quite the biggest. He scooped me up like a bag of wonderfully cut corn that we used to give the chickens back in Stevenge and helped me to a chair. Now, after that, I was quite shaken up and in a lot of pain, and I hadn't quite known what had happened to me at that moment. But Corin was helpful, and he made sure he called 911, and now I am almost 100% back to myself. 81 has never looked so good. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this special edition, returning edition of Collections of Recollections. Thank you for listening. Good day to you.